Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 30 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. If you're someone who has struggled to stick with a healthy lifestyle before, maybe you've tried a million different diets and none of them last, or maybe you keep trying to get a workout routine going and it's just not happening for you, or maybe you're stuck in this cycle of feeling guilty about what you ate or the workouts you didn't end up doing, so you commit to yet another strict plan and swear that this time really is it until it's not. If that's you, then this episode is for you, and let me tell you, you are so not alone. This week's guest, Lynette Hoyle, is a fitness coach who specializes in helping her clients overcome that exact thing. She specializes in creating a sustainable lifestyle that gets them results, but also lets them eat nachos or whatever the heck their favorite food is. Her philosophy with fitness centers around a flexible approach to nutrition and exercise that creates realistic, sustainable changes that help her clients lose weight and keep it off. After struggling to find her own balance with fitness and nutrition, Lynette finally found a solution to end yo-yo dieting, hours of cardio, and that soul-sucking guilt. And now her passion is to help other women do the same. So she's sharing all of her wisdom with us today, all of her actionable strategies and mindset shifts to accomplish that very thing. And I am so, so thankful for the work she's doing in the fitness industry and the knowledge and insights she is sharing with us today. You know that I'm always preaching the importance of balance and sustainability and doing something that you enjoy. And Lynette does such a great job of making that high level concept super tangible and actionable in this episode. I know that you're going to love it. Before we dive in to the show, let's do the review of the week. This one comes from Kay Tyler and she says, informational and great quality, five stars. I began following Marie on Instagram back in 2013. Dang girl, we go way back. And she says she's always loved the information she provides and clear passion she shares with it. Steps in her past slash journey throughout that time definitely had part in inspiring some positive changes in my life that led me to achieving my own goals. But I think it's insanely cool how this podcast now exists and she's dedicating her time to sharing information that can help empower others. I recently listened to the podcast for the first time, but it's high quality and worthwhile, just like all of her other social media platforms. I think you'll be grateful that you listened. Thank you so much, Kay Tyler. I don't know what your first name is, but I love you so much either way. And I really appreciate you supporting me and sticking with me through my journey all this time. I can't believe we've been hanging out on the internet for almost six years now. That is so cool to me. And you have seen so many different chapters of my journey, of my story. And I'm so thankful for you just supporting me through them all. And I'm really happy and honored to have played a part in your journey as well. So Kay Tyler, you just won yourself a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt. So once you hear this, go ahead and DM me on Instagram. It's at Marie E. Wold. 
as you know, to let me know and I'll get your size and shipping info from you. If you are not Kay Tyler and you're listening right now and you want to get your hands on a Grind and Be Grateful limited edition t-shirt, all you have to do is leave a rating and a review on iTunes and you might just get picked as the review of the week and get sent a t-shirt as well. Leaving a review literally takes one minute, but it makes my entire day. So thank you in advance if you do so. Again, all you have to do is search for the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, find the ratings and review section, and add one of your own. This week's episode is brought to you by my ride or die supplement company, PE Science. PE Science has been in my corner for years and years now. We go way back too. And they've supported me through so many different chapters of my fitness journey and life in general, from college volleyball to bikini competitions to powerlifting to now hormone balancing and overall wellness. They've helped me do it all. They have such a huge variety of high quality, purity guaranteed products. But the ones that I personally use every single day are the vegan select protein. The Women's True Multivitamin, which is a vitamin formulated for active women, the Symbiont GI, which is probiotics and digestive enzymes, and their Omega-3 Plus super high-quality fish oil. All of those combined are like my little team of supplement superheroes, and they work together to make sure that I continue to feel amazing, see progress toward my goals, and maintain my overall health. So if you're looking for a protein powder, I so love their options. The vegan one is great for anyone who avoids dairy or just wants a more natural plant-based option. It's made from a blend of pea and brown rice protein and sweetened with stevia. So you can feel really, really good about taking it. And the best part about PE Science as a whole is that they take product quality and efficacy super seriously. Everything is backed by science, clinically dosed and tested for purity before it ever makes it to you. They're one of the few truly trustworthy and honest companies in the industry. And that's one of the reasons I'm so proud to be a part of their family. So if you want to check out all of their products that they have to offer, there are so many. But again, my favorites are the Vegan Select Protein, the Women's True Multi, the Symbiont GI, and the Omega-3 Plus Fish Oil. You can head over to PEScience.com to start shopping. And just be sure to enter discount code MARIE at checkout to save 15% on your entire order. Again, that's P-E-S-C-I-E nce.com and the 15% off code is just my name marie m-a-r-i-e thank you again to pe science for being this week's podcast sponsor and now let's get into the episode Hey, Lynette, thank you so much for being on the show. I cannot wait for you to share your insight and your knowledge with everyone that's tuning in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a Marie Wold fan for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. So super excited to be here. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really like freeing and kind of like life-giving episode for people to tune into. We have a lot of really good stuff to cover and I know that people can't wait to jump in. But before we do that, can you give us a rundown on like who you are, what you do and what brought you to being a wellness coach today and like why you focus on the things that you do focus on? Yeah, for sure. So for those of you who are following Marie, which that's why you're here, Marie and I have a kind of a similar background. We both Mm -hmm. kind of started in like competition, bodybuilding competitions. That's where I got, I wouldn't say got my start in that, but that's when I got really serious about fitness is back in 2015, I did some bikini competitions. And like Marie has talked about so many times that can really just do a number on your body image, your mental health. And after I went through that experience, I was really, really interested in finding a way to enjoy fitness without having 
like the extremes of what fitness can turn into, you know, extreme dieting, extreme workouts, just extreme in general. And I've been a personal trainer for about four years. And so my journey as a coach went from being one who kind of tended more to like competing and extreme structure and like, you know, go hard all the time to being kind of a coach who's not just focused on physical health. Physical health is so important, but also mental wellness around your fitness journey. So that's kind of my approach today. I definitely, I love working out. I love eating right. That's something that's so important to me. And that's definitely part of the message that I share, but definitely one that is more about just having a balanced approach. I know that's kind of like an oversaid statement at this point, but that's definitely what I hope to emulate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think balance, like it can be this really ambiguous concept and like a really hard idea to pin down sometimes. But I think that you do a really good job of like explaining how exactly balance looks in your life and like having tangible things to kind of anchor it to. And that makes balance seem like it's not this mystical unicorn that like is impossible to attain because you've done it and you know exactly how to teach your clients to do it. So like you've really built your coaching program around that philosophy and the belief in being really flexible. And so can you tell me more about like how your approach has evolved over time along with your own journey? Like you said, you used to be all about like more is better, work harder, grind, like no days off versus where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So my work ethic in general has always been of like, go, 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 push, 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 like be the best you know, outwork everybody because all you can control is the effort you put in. Like that was totally Mm -hmm. my mindset for so long. That's how I was raised. That's the ideology really that I brought to the table when it came to fitness. And that is why I was attracted to something like a bikini competition because it was like one of the hardest fitness things that you could do is, you know, diet down really hard. And I know Marie, like you, my body is not one that wants to be super lean. So I had Mm -hmm. to struggle, struggle, struggle. When you work really hard, you can start to wear that workload as a badge of honor. Like, oh, I did two hours of cardio today. Look at me. (laughs) So my approach to nutrition at that time was very rigid and structured. I had like a no nonsense mentality about food. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is how people should be. Like, people who don't Mm -hmm. go hard with nutrition are just being babies. They're just not, you know, giving enough willpower or whatever the case may be. And I kind of realized over time that my whole life was being based around my nutrition, my nutrition and my workouts. Like, whether or not I went out with friends was based on whether or not, like, I had the macros for it or if it went into my prep diet or, you know, I would have days off with my husband, but I'd be like, well, I have to go to the gym for a few hours in the morning. And then at night too, like, I don't have all the time in the day to just be with you. Like it was always something that my diet or my workout was majorly, not even just cutting into my life, but the rest of my life revolved around nutrition and workouts, which after a while you will start to resent nutrition and fitness. If it's the thing that's driving the bus of your life. I mean, we want to look good. That's so obvious. We want to look good. We want to feel good. But we are not our body. We are not the food that we eat. We're not how fit we are. We're really not even our work ethics. What our life actually is, is so much more substance than just that. And I think after a while of letting nutrition and my fitness goals completely run my life, I was just so exhausted by it. Yeah. I knew I didn't want to forsake my health. I didn't want to forsake feeling good about my body and being in shape because I love that. There's so much good that comes from that. But I knew that I had to change something about 
the way that I was approaching nutrition. And for a while, it went kind of on the other end of the spectrum where I was overeating a lot. I gained like 20 pounds really fast because in my mind, I was just rebelling against this like extreme structure to nutrition by just not having any structure and eating whatever I want. And after gaining 20 pounds and just feeling horrible, I was like, what's the answer here? Like the Mm -hmm. perfectionist did not work for me. The overindulgence and like quote unquote binging did not work for me mentally or emotionally or physically. Like what's the middle ground? And so probably since 2016, I've been working really hard to kind of find, you know, balance, but actually like tactical ways of finding balance in your life and in your fitness and health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you transition from being like very extreme and restricted to deciding like there's got to be more to life was there one specific moment or was it kind of like an overtime process I would say it was probably an overtime process I bet if I thought about it there was probably some specific moment where like a light bulb turned on but Mm -hmm. I had a coach at the time and he was trying to diet me down for some photo shoot or something and I remember every week I just would be terrified of check-in day, just like so afraid of it coming. And then like, it just put extra pressure on every single day's meals and food. And like, I felt like I would wake up and just start eating because I was so anxious about food that I would just like self-sabotage before I even had a chance at being successful that day with food. So I think it was definitely the fall of 2015, about four or five months after I had competed the last time. And something snapped and I I just had to stop doing what I was doing and try something else. Yeah, our stories are so similar in this whole aspect. Even the timeline is extremely similar. Like yeah. two years ago, this time of year, I was getting ready for the bodybuilding.com spokesmall search was like essentially yeah. photo shoots. And then once I finished that, I had zero interest in going to the gym. I could not bring myself to track my macros. I like mm-hmm. it was so repulsive to do what I had been doing for like two years straight And that started down the road that we're both on now, but it was like not a good transition. So as far as like finding that middle ground, what was like the first step that you took once you realized like, okay, my pendulum swung from extremely restricted to extremely out of control? Like what was your first step to bring it back to the middle? So my first step in bringing it back to the middle for me was about like compromise. So you know, when we started new diet plan, like right out the gates, we want to be perfect on this diet plan, right? Like I'm going to track my macros. I'm going to hit them dead on. I'm going to go to the gym six days next week. I'm going to do all of this. And that's great that like you are wanting to be successful in something. But what I find is when people have that expectation of I'm going to be perfect, and then they also want to be able to be flexible and allow life to happen. Then, you know, by day three, maybe they're 10 grams over their macros. They're feeling like they failed and they throw the rest of the week away or, or whatever. And so I started making compromises with myself. Instead of going into the week saying, I'm going to be perfect and I'm going to do this and that and all this, I made very loose guidelines for myself, such as eat healthy things and move your body four times this week. Mm-hmm. And when I found that when I gave myself guidelines rather than rules, it really inspired me to actually be like, okay, like, yeah, I do want to eat healthy today. I'm not going to attach a number to it today. Not to say that I've never tracked ever since, but a lot of my life I don't track because I don't like to attach numbers to nutrition for the large majority of my life. And so I would just compromise. You know, if I woke up one day and I felt really exhausted and I didn't want to go to the gym, instead of being like, no, you have to go, Lynette. (laughs) You know, sometimes you got to push yourself. If I really was feeling like tired or something, I would be like, all right, 
What if I go for like a one mile walk around my block? Like give some energy to what I know is best for me, but you don't have to like, you know, crack the whip on yourself. Like you're an animal (laughs) riding through your fitness journey. So I think the first step for me was learning to compromise instead of going, you know, like how I said, most people, they're either all in or they're all out. You know, instead of doing one or the other, I started practicing the middle ground. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. if I don't want to work out today, okay, that's fine. I won't work out today, but I'm going to move that workout to tomorrow, which was supposed to be my rest day. Or, you know, like, okay, I wanted to hit a certain macronutrient goal, but somebody invited me out for dinner. I really want to go out for dinner, but you know, I'm not going to blow it. I'm not going to just like order six orders of nachos because I figure (laughs) screw it. I'm going to try to order something healthy still. Maybe it takes me over my calorie goal. Maybe it's not what was technically best for me, but I'm still going to give effort to meeting this in the middle. You know, I'm not restricting myself and not going out, but I'm also not going crazy by like overeating a ton, like in the middle. I think a lot of times we forget about the middle ground because Mm -hmm. it feels like the middle ground sometimes feels like a lose-lose, right? Because there's comfort in extremes. Like even though it would suck to skip out on going out with your friends, at least you kind of have the comfort of knowing, yeah, well, like I'm hitting my goals really hard. Right. But then there's also comfort in just being like, screw it. I'm getting the margarita and the nachos. Like it feels good. You're indulging. So like there's a lot of reward short term in the extremes. Mm. The middle ground is not that rewarding in the short term. Like, okay, I'm going to go out with my friends. So I'm not going to be hitting my diet perfectly. So the scale might be up tomorrow. And yet I can't have the nachos. Like I'm going to order a salad with the dressing on the side. Like this sucks. (laughs) Like short term, it feels like you're losing. But when you make those middle ground decisions day after day, and when the occasion arises, it actually is a long-term win. That's when you get to the end of the month and you're like, oh, wow, I went out with my friends six times this month and I still lost five pounds this month. Like that's how you get that long-term success you're looking for while still, you know, allowing yourself the flexibility of living your life as it comes to you, you know? Yeah, I always tell my clients that I would way rather have them be at like 70 or 80% every single day than strive for 100 and then only be like 100% for three days and then 0% for the rest of the week. You know what I mean? Because then their average is like 30, 40%. Yeah instead of 70 or 80. So it's so much better to, like you said, compromise and just like accept that you're not going to be perfect, accept that you're human, accept that life happens. Like unless you literally sit at home and go hermit mode and your life revolves around food in the gym, which mine certainly did, then yeah, I hit mm-hmm. my macros every single day. I looked the leanest I've ever looked. I looked like, you know, a quote unquote fitness model. I won trophies, like all of those things, but it required sacrificing my social life, my energy, my performance in school, my mood, like how I act with my loved ones. So it's not worth it to live in the extremes. Like either way, you're not going to be happy in the long run, even though the short term pleasure is really strong. So I love the way you explained that. And I'm curious as to, because I think we can relate on this front, is that when we used to be very extreme and lived in the extremes, we expected our clients to do the same. And when they didn't, it was like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, just try harder, you know? And like, that's terrible. And I'm not proud that that was like how I was as a coach. But I mean, we all start somewhere and like have to you know, improve. But when you coach clients now, do you find that they get just as good of results with being flexible? Whereas when you're trying to like shove them into your box that was of perfection? So I have found that the success rate of my clients is 
probably about the same, if not better, now that I have a flexible approach. What I'm finding more than anything, though, is that my clients are keeping the weight off after they leave me. Mm. In my old approach, exactly like how you said it, 100%. When I first started as a coach, I was like literally three weeks out from like my first bikini competition. Like, I had these poor mothers, God bless them, (laughs) coming to me like, I have three kids and I have no time to myself. What do you recommend? And I'm like, six workouts a week and track your macros no matter what, Cheryl. (laughs) Like super intense. And then they'd come to me and they'd be like, oh, I didn't have time to track perfectly. I was low on protein. And I'm like, you're not dedicated enough. Like, you know, I would always try to sugarcoat it a little bit. But truly, I thought like, what is wrong with people? Like, you guys are not dedicated enough. If you wanted this, you would work for it, whatever. So with the clients that would have success under that ruling, because some clients will have some success because if you do the plan, it does work, Right. but they would gain that weight back. I had so many repeat clients who would come to me, lose 15 pounds, leave me for a little bit, six months later, come back having gained 20 pounds, lose that with me, gain it back again. Like I saw that happening multiple times. I mean, not dozens and dozens of times, but definitely enough for me to notice like, people are not keeping this weight off right? and realizing over time, like, oh, what we're doing or our approach to fitness in the past was not sustainable. You know, you talk about like how it, you know, it requires you to sacrifice so much of your life in the time that you're doing that, you know, trying to stay on your macros and you don't go out, you don't have a social life. It costs something in the short term, but it also costs something long-term. Even when the diet is over, you know, the quote unquote diet is over, you're mentally so messed up around food from having such weird rules around food for so long that it's almost like, I mean, how many girls do you know that have competed that didn't gain some exorbitant amount of weight after competing? Mm -hmm. Like almost every single one of them. Why is that? Are we all just like slobs? No, there's something to extreme restriction that's not natural for our brains, that's not healthy for our bodies or our minds. And that's like, I mean, all that to say, like, that's why I started making, you know, my coaching more approachable, more reachable, more sustainable. And I do find that clients not only have the same like level of success, but I don't have clients coming back to me having gained weight. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a rare circumstance for me now because we don't make massive changes from what they were doing to what they're doing now. They're just more consistent because we teach them how to be consistent because they're not swinging between extremes anymore, right? Right. So when clients come to you almost every single time, it's because they had like a moment or a day or kind of a breakthrough where they're like, oh my gosh, I really want this. This is the time. Like it's now or never. I know that I can do this. And they come to you and they're like all fired up. And because of that, like energy that they're bringing into it, they really want like a quick win. Like they want a quick transformation. They want to see results yesterday. They want to like Amazon prime their fitness journey. And as like sustainable wellness focused coaches, we have to be like, okay, hold on. Like that's not going to work. So how do you walk your clients through like overcoming that need for quick wins instead focus on like playing the long game? So for starters, I believe you do this as well, but I get on the phone with people before mm-hmm. they work with me. And if I can tell that they're really just like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in six weeks, like da, da 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 all this extreme stuff. I just let them know like, that's not realistic. That's not what I do. And if I can tell that we're really just not on the same page with that and that they are just not going to conform to like 
a lifestyle way of approaching this, then I just don't work with them. And that's fine. They're going to find some other coach to do that crazy thing. And I guess also I just kind of go week by week and I start trying to sense when I feel that that emotional like slow down because yeah, by week three or week four, when you haven't lost 30 pounds and you're just absolutely shocked and disappointed, you do start to lose a little bit of like emotional momentum and you feel like, I don't know if this is working. And so that's for me when the mindset stuff really kicks in. And that's when you really have to kind of ask yourself, okay, do I actually want to do this for life? Is me going to the gym four days a week or five days a week? Is this because I'm just wanting to lose weight? Or am I allowing myself to actually be transformed as a person and become a person who is going to be a person who goes to the gym X amount of times per week and is a healthy person for life? And when I kind of get clients thinking about that, like it kind of helps them kind of barrel through those harder times where, you know, results aren't coming as quickly and they're not seeing exactly what they wanted to see within the first couple of weeks. And that's kind of what I do. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the kind of client that I attract is one who is going to know that this is a lifestyle. This is not about losing as many pounds as possible in 12 weeks. Like this is about a total mindset makeover and a total, really a whole body transformation. That's not just about the results, um, mm-hmm. the physical results. That makes sense. Yeah. I think being that we both now have more of a presence, both like physically and just the way we show up through like our content and stuff, our presence is definitely more about balance and we are like living examples of that and like living examples of not going to extremes whereas when I was competing I literally had an eight pack I was tiny I was like you know winning trophies people came to me with more of that like desperation for the quick wins because they just saw the physical piece but now they come to me knowing that if they want to find their version of balance and if they want a long-term transformation, then like I'm their girl, you know? So I think the way you show up and the way you market yourself, I guess, is really a huge like indicator of the type of client you're going to get. And so that's like little business side note, but just an observation that Mm -hmm. I've been having is who you attract is Mm -hmm. largely dependent on who you are showing up as. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we just are like getting through the holiday season right now. Not getting through. I don't mean it in a negative way, but we are in the thick of the holiday season. And right now, like food is really at the forefront of everyone's minds. And it's one of the hardest seasons to, if you don't have a good relationship with food, it's a really hard season to navigate for some people. So tell us about like what food freedom is and your story through finding it. So food freedom to me, at least for my experience, is that food does not create guilt for me, whether I overindulge or basically any decision that I make about food does not have any guilt attached to it. So even if I choose to overindulge or if I don't choose to overindulge and it just happens, I don't allow any guilt to be attached to that because I know that it doesn't mean anything about me. It doesn't mean anything about my body. And I just don't have any rules about food that I'm like, die hard. This is a rule that I have about food because of X, Y, Z. For me, that's kind of food freedom is just that absence of negative emotion around it and not allowing fear to be what controls your food decisions. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what food freedom is to me. Yeah. And so if someone is feeling like they are trying to like white knuckle it through the holiday season, Mm -hmm. what is one piece of advice that you can give them to kind of help them relax and have a more balanced, flexible approach right now? 
So I get the temptation to white knuckle it through the holiday season. That is the funniest visual. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is so funny, but it's so true because that was totally me in like 2014 is just like trying to fend off all of the holiday treats coming at me. And I think this goes back to what I was saying about finding the middle ground, finding the middle ground. Like if someone brings in like donuts at work and you're like, oh man, I really want donuts. Just kind of think about the rest of your day. Do you have any other treats going on that day? Are you maybe making cookies with your family later that night? Then maybe skip the donut and just do the cookies or maybe decide, hey, maybe I'll just make the cookies and not eat them and do the donut. I think making little compromises as opposed to assigning the day as either pass fail, Mm. whether you indulged or didn't indulge, because I think that's what really gets us in trouble. Like nobody gains 10 pounds over the holiday season because they said yes to the cookies at the office or yes to whatever. Like it's not the little treats here or there that get you. It's throwing away a whole week or a whole six weeks because you figure it's the holidays. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to say yes to every single morsel of food that crosses my eyes. Like finding that middle ground, practicing moderation, like actual moderation. I think sometimes people use the word balance to like justify cover their, yeah, like, yeah, like justify, like, I see so many girls who like put their diet on like a hundred percent through the week. They like weigh their ketchup and weigh their mustard and weigh their water <laughs> practically. And then the weekend hits and they're like knees deep in a margarita and they're like hashtag yeah. balance. I'm like, that's not actually, I mean, maybe that's somebody's idea of balance, but to me, balance should be not so black and white and be a lot more gray and it should be less extremes and more like, okay, like <laughs> Some compromises, some moderation, some having a cookie without having to have 10 or saying yes to a holiday dinner without letting it cause you to freak out or anything. Because again, it's not the holiday dinner or saying yes to a cookie or having a peppermint mocha. That's not what's causing 10 pounds of weight gain over the holiday season. It's people getting inside their heads and thinking that because they had the cookie, well, now I'm just going to have a whole bunch of other crap tonight because the day is ruined and then they start over the next morning, but then the weekend comes and they figure, oh, well, it's the weekend, like nothing I can do. Like I had a peppermint mocha for breakfast, so the day is ruined. I'm going to have cookies for lunch and Mexican food for dinner and a margarita and dessert. Like that's what's causing the weight gain is that extreme mindset of like the day has been ruined or the all or nothing mindset. Like just practicing some balance. (laughs) It sounds so like rudimentary and like elementary, but like that's truly like how you're going to get through the holiday season, enjoy the holiday season and not gain a bunch of weight. Yeah. And I find that we were talking about this before we started recording, but as a coach, the holiday season is a very slow time for us because let's be honest, most people don't want to start a fitness journey during the holidays. And I can respect that on one hand, but on the other hand, I wish people would realize that now is actually one of the best times that you could start working with a coach because think about like an athlete. So if an athlete only does the drills that they're good at, like they only do the easy drills, they do the drills that feel good, like they're not going to get much better, right? But if an athlete does the drills that are really hard and expose their weaknesses and really challenge them, they're going to get a lot better, a lot faster. So like now this time of year is kind of like the hard drills, but for food and workouts Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it's not about like you can't enjoy yourself. It's about like you need to learn how to make choices that actually make you feel good because I don't think anyone actually feels good when they throw away their whole day, their whole week, the whole holiday season. And then whenever that phase is over, they look back and they're like, oh shit, what did I just do? I have a lot to make up for. But like, if you can start now and make the most of the challenging times, 
every other time of year is so much easier. Absolutely. That is such a beautiful analogy. I've never thought of it like that. You were an athlete in high school though, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, even in college too. I played volleyball. <laughs> so everything goes back Okay. To I was a human blob <laughs> in high school, but that's amazing. And it's so true. And it's funny. I know that you are actually, you're doing your group program through the holidays mm-hmm. too, huh? Yeah. We start on December. So I'm doing a similar group program and mine's already started. And I was very tempted to wait until January because I just felt like people are not going to want to join. People are like, they're going to want to wait until January. But then I was like, okay, no, Lynette, why are you going to keep perpetuating this cycle of like January 1st has some sort of like magical dust that's attached to it as like the starting season? Like, no, like we do fine in January. Who needs a coach in January? Like everybody's dieting. Everybody's on some sort of program. There are no cookies in the office. Everyone is doing fine. You need a coach in December. You need a coach when your relationship with food is going to be tested and you're going to be swinging from guilt to binging, to feeling like crap about yourself, to restriction. Like that's when you need help is in that season where it's the most difficult so that it's like you said, if you can handle that, you're going to be just fine in January or February or any other freaking month of the year where you just get to function as a normal, healthy, happy person with food and with Mm -hmm. your body. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that this was like more common, but I think the fact that everyone starts challenges and coaching plans and stuff like that in January, like people in the industry kind of enable it too, because we're teaching people how they should approach fitness and that's, oh, you start in January. So even though I knew that I would be like selling less people, getting fewer people into the program, like making less money. I still wanted to do it during this time of year because I knew that the people that were going to sign up were the people that are like, you know, they're my people and they get it. Yeah, Yeah. same. So in like during the holiday season, do you tell your clients that they need to stick to their workouts or do you give your clients non-negotiables during Mm -hmm. the holidays or how much freedom do you give them to where they can still make progress and feel good? So the way that I coach in general, both in general and at the holidays is with a lot of flexibility. I like to empower my clients to kind of make their own guidelines because every client who's ever hired a coach before is so used to being told exactly what to do. Work out this many times, this many reps, eat this, don't eat that. Like they're so used to rules and being told what to do. And that's why I think also a lot of clients end a 12 week plan with a coach and they're like, well, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Like they've never been taught how to make their own decisions. So I help clients come up with guidelines for themselves. I think I mentioned that earlier. It's not so much about having rules, but about having guidelines for yourself. You know, what are your rules around fruit and vegetables? Okay, well, not rules, but like, what are your guidelines around fruit and vegetables? Okay, I like to get five servings a day. Cool, let's aim for that. What do you think would make you feel good in terms of how many times you indulge in a week? You know, well, I really feel like two times is kind of my max. Any more than that, and I start to feel kind of heavy. Okay, cool. So, like, let's focus on that. Let's choose which indulgences are worth it during the week. And, you know, we'll just pass on the others. It's not that you're being forced to pass on them, it's that you're choosing to pass on them because you know what makes mm-hmm. you feel best. So, that's what I try to do. It depends on client to client. Some clients are looking to lose a little bit more weight, a little bit more aggressively than other clients. But I'm a really big believer in just yeah. guidelines rather than like, here's set macros, here's set workouts. Like I think with guidelines, it really empowers people's choice. And they remember that they have choice as opposed to like, you know, I mean, how many clients have you had that start, you know, six weeks into the plan, eight weeks into the plan, they start saying some verbiage that it makes it sound like they're blaming you for them having to Mm, stick to a diet. It's not our fault. (laughs) You chose this dear client. You know, and we even get it with ourselves when we, you know, impose these rules and these guidelines on ourselves that are really strict. It can start to feel like there's like some sort of outside force that's forcing them 
when really it's just ourselves. I think that's just the way that our human psyche responds to extreme rules with something like food, because I don't think we were meant to have extreme rules right. with food, if yeah. that makes sense. I love that you said that you still give guidelines, like even though you teach food freedom and flexibility, because I think a lot of people, when they look at the concept of food freedom, that means no rules, no guidelines, no structure. When in reality, maybe that works for some people, but for the majority of the population, our brains work best when we have some structure. Like the structure is actually what gives us freedom, but there needs to be a balance between structure and flexibility that allows you to, like you said, empowers you to make choices and like take back control without feeling like you are just, you know, checking the boxes every day and have no free will. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So you talk a lot about like daily habits and like keeping promises to yourself is one thing that I love that you talk about a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, if you told yourself that you're going to work out, but then your day was super busy, like you will go to the gym and do a late workout because you told yourself that you were going to do it. And I mean, there's a difference between like needing to listen to your body and take the day off versus just like letting the day Mm -hmm. get away from you type of thing. So like, what are some non-negotiables for you? And like, what are some daily habits that you always make sure to integrate into your life that make you feel healthy and happy? So some daily guidelines for myself. So I always have like a quiet morning time. For me, that's time of prayer, meditation, maybe reading a book or listening to a podcast, something to kind of fill my cup. And sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I like want to wake up and just hit the ground running. But for me, it's a guideline because it's like a self-care guideline. And it's me telling me, hey, you deserve this time to have your cup refilled. So that's something that I'm like really, really strict with myself on is like sitting down and just being quiet before the day starts and before I allow all the day's stressors to kind of start Mm -hmm. piling on. Same when it comes to food and workouts, you know, I always am having some sort of fitness goal or something going on. And again, for me, it's about, it's really about guidelines so that when the moment comes, I can make a judgment call. And I think, again, it's kind of like, you know, people will skip a Friday workout because they're tired and they'll be like, hashtag balance, decided to stay home and drink a beer on the couch today, which like, you know, I don't mean to like belittle anybody's decision to skip the gym. But for me, I have like a little discussion with myself like, oh, okay, you want to skip the gym? Why? Well, I'm tired. Oh, was it because that you stayed up late (laughs) watching YouTube videos? (laughs) Like you don't get to just like have free reign of your life and not have Mm -hmm. any consequences. And it might sound kind of harsh, but like, to me, again, it goes decision by decision. I don't do, I don't have any rules for myself, but I also have gotten to a place where I trust my judgment. I'm not going to make any excuses for myself. And that's something that I really focus big on with clients is to A, not make excuses for yourself, but also not break promises to yourself. It's like you said, to me, when you tell yourself, I'm going to the gym five times this week, then go. Like, even if it does mean like you go to the gym at nine o'clock at night, I'm not saying that that has to be the rule, but I'm saying that the more that you keep promises to yourself, the more that you're going to build confidence in your ability, the more that you're going to build trust with yourself so that like how many people listening to this right now, how many diets have you started? How many times have you said, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to run a marathon. And how many times have you not done those things? Mm -hmm right? And even thinking about that, like even visualizing all of these failed goals, it brings up some insecurity and it makes you kind of like feel for a second, like, dang, I really just Mm. can't do anything. That's because you keep failing yourself. It's not that you're not capable. It's that you've chosen 
to let yourself down and to compromise yourself for either somebody else or for a temporary comfort. And this is not to shame anybody or guilt anybody, because trust me, I still have these moments myself. But the more that you actually start taking your word as something sacred to yourself and you take your word like you would give it like if you were to tell your mother or your grandmother like I'm coming over at this time right. you would be there <laughs> your word should be that special and that sacred to yourself mm-hmm. because you deserve that you deserve the same kind of treatment that you would give to the person you honor most in your life not because you're so much better than anybody else but because you are at least equal to all the people in your life that you love and respect. And that's a super woo woo version of why I don't break promises to myself or I try my best. No, I love that so much. And I'm curious what your thoughts are as far as like, what is the difference between not setting the right goals? And that's why you don't follow through. Like you don't really get clear on your why and therefore the how doesn't make sense either versus just like failing to keep promises to yourself. What is the difference between those things? I think the difference between those things probably comes in the kind of like you said, the figuring out your why process. Like if your why is not strong, your plan Mm -hmm. will always fail. Anything hard in life is hard, right? Like (laughs) losing weight, having an amazing business, having a great marriage, anything amazing in life, I should say, is hard. And if you do not have a strong why, the first time you start hitting resistance on your path to this amazing thing that you want you're going to start backing down right. if your why is not there. So it's one thing to, you know, you have an amazing goal. You want to lose 10 pounds. It makes sense to you. You know that it's right for you. Your doctor has asked you to lose 10 pounds. And, you know, Friday night comes and you should be going to the gym, but you don't want to. That's one thing versus a goal that you don't even know why you said it. You know, maybe they're having a weight loss challenge at work. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll lose weight. And someone told you, hey, you have to go to the gym six days a week. And so that's why you're going like, I think that there obviously is a disconnect, right? Like you're going for the wrong reasons. You don't have a specific why or even at least a strong why that's really connected to your soul. And I think that that's just going to come with like kind of figuring out along the way, like, is this actually serving the best version of myself or have I not really sorted out what the best version of myself Mm. looks like? And not to go on like a tangent, but that's one of my favorite exercises that I do with my clients is to actually visualize your best self, like, Lynette 2020, like that girl is like awesome. I literally almost (laughs) just said on fleek. Wow, I'm old. Wow. I think of like Lynette 2020, like a year and a half from now. And I think, what does she look like? What does she do? What would she eat in this circumstance? Like, what would she Mm -hmm. do on this Friday night? Like, would this Lynette know like, no, you need a break, like take some time off and like fill your cup. Or would this Lynette be like, girl, get your butt in the gym. To me, that's such a powerful way of thinking about, you know, kind of processing and filtering your decisions as it relates to your goal, because it allows you to tap into exactly who you want to be and not just a comparison of, you know, Cheryl from Instagram or Susie from so-and-so. Well, Cheryl has an eight pack and Cheryl went to the gym on Friday. So I'm going to go to the gym. Like, you know what I mean? Like comparing yourself to people on the internet, that's so not fair and not helpful and really doesn't even make sense. So I think comparing yourself to who you want to be is such a powerful way to really make sure that what you're doing is lining up with where you want to be. Yeah, that is one of the most powerful things my clients do too. I actually send them this visualization and speaking of woo-woo, it's super woo-woo and I just ask them to really buy into it because it's like a 25-minute 
visualization, meditation, where they like go meet their higher selves. It was like what we did at Pays to be Brave kind of. And when we did that, I cried. because I was like, oh my God, this future self, this highest self is like so incredible. Mm -hmm. And I cried because it felt possible. And I felt so much clarity around like what I needed to do to become that person. And I mean, it's things like decisions between, you know, major life stuff, but it's also like, my highest self like always has a spray tan and like has her nails done. Like she has her shit together, you know, that, yeah. like, it's things like that, but it's also the big stuff. And I think people get really caught up with like the philosophical things, but it really comes down to mm-hmm. those like small daily decisions that add up. It really comes down to keeping those promises mm-hmm. to yourself. Like we talked about. And so going to comparison really quick, maybe this is the last thing that we have time for, but I want to know how you navigate comparison when it comes to especially being on social media and like as a fitness wellness expert and positioning yourself as an expert. And I guess this is kind of like a selfish question that I'm interested in. But if you're positioning yourself as a fitness and wellness expert, do you ever fall into the comparison trap when it comes to comparing yourself to the more like fitspo mold influencers, if that makes sense? It's something that I struggled with more in the past than I have now. For a long time, I think I felt that if my body was more of like your typical fitspo, like super duper lean, I thought that that would mean something more for my business, that it would inspire my clients more, that it would help me grow on social media more. Back when I thought that was important, Mm -hmm. there's always comparison in a million ways though. I think there's always the opportunity for comparison. It may change day by day. One day I may compare myself to someone who's a little bit leaner than me. One day I might compare myself to a fitness leader who's more educated than me or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, I know that what I have to offer people, what I believe God's given me to give to the world is not the vessel that you see, like my body is not really a part of that. Mm -hmm. It's my earth suit that I wear while I live (laughs) on earth. But the things that you've said over the years, like, you know, what you looked like had a role, but it really wasn't that, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that you said that kind of changed my thinking, that kind of changed the way I thought about things or challenged me in a new way. It was never really about how you look because what you said was touching my soul, not my visual or my like, you know, whoa, I want to look like her. I want to lift like her. I want to have a business like her. And when I remember that, I remember that I'm here on earth to do that for other people too. You know, even though it may sometimes feel like, oh, they're following or she has a nicer body or she has whatever. The things that are meant for us, we know will always be ours. And I believe that the things that we're meant to do, we have everything within us and outside of us required to do those things. Mm, And I know that's like, (laughs) that is not like what you're thinking about when you see someone who's doing better than you, looks better than you, sounds better than you, because all you can think is, dang, (laughs) this sucks. (laughs) It's a crappy feeling. Here's the thing. When I feel emotions like that, I do not let myself dwell in them. There's absolutely no purpose and no help that comes from dwelling in emotions that are harmful like that and emotions that are truly an illusion. Like there's no statement out in the world that like so-and-so right. is better than oh, Lynette yeah. or so-and-so is better than Marie. Like it's an illusion. Chances are that girl looks at me and thinks that I'm better than her in some way. So when I remember it's an illusion created by me, a reality that's not real, it's only real in my mind. And I start to break down like why my value and my purpose on earth has like nothing to do with anybody else or what they're doing or their purpose. And I remember that like 
the best chance I have at being proud of what I do and being proud of what I bring people is by simply focusing on helping the people that I want to help. That kind of helps me through the comparison stuff. That was, again, like this whole conversation is just turning into one giant woo fest, but that's truly (laughs) what helps me. No, it's so important. And especially on a fitness journey, I asked in like kind of a business social media sense, but I knew that it would lead to more of like an overall, you know, topic of comparison. And when people are starting their fitness journey or like midway through they're feeling discouraged that's when we're so susceptible to that comparison trap and if you can just stay in your own lane and it's not like you shouldn't follow people on social media it's not like you shouldn't be using other people for inspiration but it's about that self-awareness as to whether or not following that person consuming their content is making you feel empowered and inspired because they're proof that hard work pays off, they're proof that transformation's possible, or are you feeling not worthy, not good enough, like you'll never get there because you think what they've achieved is impossible for you? And I think it's like really being self-aware and also taking responsibility for like what you're letting into your headspace too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. We have already chatted about so much good stuff. And now I'm sure that people are like, okay, Lynette has a lot to offer. I need to follow her. Where can they find you? Where can they be a part of your tribe? So I'm on Instagram. No, I've never heard of Instagram. Is that new? <laughs> Sorry. Every time we talk about Instagram, I have to do that like a complete <laughs> goob. Okay. So you guys can find me on Instagram. It's just Lynette Marie H. You can find me on Instagram. I also have a really on and popping, <laughs> my age is showing, uh, Facebook group. I'm so sorry, young followers of Marie. I'm not that old, I promise. Um, I have a Facebook group called Nacho Average it. Fit Chick, and it is a group full of women who love to work out, but they also yeah. love nachos. So that's a fun place to come hang out. And oh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on YouTube. You can, gosh, I'm so old. You can check me out on the YouTube. Search Lynette Marie and I'm on YouTube. I do full days of eating. I do some fitness, activewear, haul reviews, all things fitness and nutrition. We have a good time. Yeah. Awesome. So you guys go check out Lynette, send her some love, let her know that I sent you and tell her thank you for her time. But Lynette, before we go, there's one final question and that is, what is one thing that you are currently grinding for? And what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? This is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. So we got to cover that stuff. Oh, I love it. Oh, side note. Wait, are you still selling your grinding Be Grateful like apparel? Because I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I come out with it like every few months. So the next round will come out probably early 2019. But I always see you wearing your sweatshirt and it makes me so happy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Okay. So one thing that I'm grinding for right now is direction. Mm. I know that probably sounds strange, but I've been grinding, grinding, grinding for years, building my business, building savings. My husband and I just bought like basically our dream house. And so the season of grinding has been really amazing, but or not grinding, but like working, I should say, like building. And now I'm kind of at a peak of where I've been going the last four years. And I'm kind of working for towards like, what's the best direction for me to take? Like, where am I going next with my business, with my life, with my soul? Like, I know that probably sounds like a weird thing to be aiming for, but like, that's what like all of my downtime is spent kind of working on is like, where do I want to go next that will fulfill me and fulfill my purpose? So that's Mm -hmm. what I'm grinding for. And clarity is so important. And like, just constantly pushing without like, 
picking your head up and looking around and figuring out where you're even headed, I think is a huge mistake. So pausing for clarity is like just as much hard work as like, you know, pushing and doing the tasks and checking off the to-do list. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. Clarity is a good word. That's definitely the Mm -hmm. season that I'm in right now is seeking clarity. Yeah. The things that I'm grateful for, gosh, there's so many. I literally write like a little gratitude list every single day. Me too. This is so dopey, but I know that you will totally see eye to eye on this. I am so grateful for my kitties. Yes. <laughs> it's like the lamest thing ever, but I was like, okay, Lynette, what did you write this morning? And I was like, crap, cats. I wrote that I'm <laughs> grateful for my cats. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I honestly just having like that unconditional love and having someone to cuddle with you, no matter how down you feel or whatever, it just really like brightens your day. I Oh, and okay, second thing. Okay, I'm just going to sneak another one in there. I'm grateful for friendships like ours, women who are in the same industry who can like talk to each other, can support each other, can give each other feedback and ideas. Like, I feel like this didn't exist a few years ago, or at least I wasn't able Mm -hmm. to find it. I feel like a lot of gals were still kind of keeping their business stuff under wraps. And some girls still are. I find I can't always ask everybody questions, but I love having amazing women like you who are just like high integrity, like super amazing girls that are just, yeah, like someone I could come to if I had a question or if I was like, hey, do you, what do you think of this business idea? I love that I can have like an intelligent woman who's awesome, like give me honest feedback and not just like try to hide. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's such an awesome thing to have you know, community of women that, you know, we met some at Pays Be Brave and other places on the internet. So yeah, I'm super grateful for that because I didn't have this a year ago. Yeah, I did not have a really good tight-knit community of even like girlfriends for most of my life until I was probably like maybe 20 or so. And so now I like value that stuff so much and having the business connections too and like having that community over competition aspect Mm. makes it so much less lonely and scary because when you're an entrepreneur, like every single day is mildly terrifying at best. So it's so nice to have other people that can relate to you and just are willing to like help you and, you know, ask you for help when they need it too. And it's such a beautiful thing. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, you guys, please go send Lynette some love. Tell her that I sent you and we will see you in the next one. Thanks, Lynette. Yeah. See ya. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. This show is for you. So your feedback matters. Plus, it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind to be grateful, my friends.